Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are joined by three members today of the band Tree Boy and Ark, whose debut album Natural Habitat is also released today, uh, which is the 7th of July at the time of recording this. Um, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, how are you all and where are you all joining us from? And uh, could you each just introduce yourselves as well, please, as we go through, just for any of our listeners so we know who's talking at what point. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I am James... Um, I am currently in my parents' house in Leeds. I'm George. I am in my living room. I'm Isaac. I am also in my living room. Brilliant. Well, thank you uh, for joining us today, and congratulations on the release of the uh, of the record. How does it feel to um, to to finally have your debut album out in the world? It's great. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. It's been a lot of work and it's yeah, it's great to finally get it out. It's yeah. good. Fantastic. I mean, you know, that's uh, it's an obvious starting off point for us. Can you talk to us a little bit about the, you know, the gestation period for this album? You know, when when did you first start uh, kind of working on the, the songs that would wind up on Natural Habitat? What's been its its journey, if you like? I think the whole journey of the band, really, since when we started... I think a lot of the songs on the record are some of our oldest songs. And that's one of the reasons why we sort of redid it once, because we'd have these songs that are three or four or five years old, then write five other ones that are brand new at the time. And then we go back and listen to it as what would be the record. And it sounds, I don't know, it sounds five years apart of, yeah. I don't know, creative making of music, really. Um, so, yeah, it's been going on for a long time, but it's nice to have it out now and have a, a reason to play gigs and have a strong reason to tour, which is kind of what we love doing the most, I think. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, what were the, how did, I mean, how did you all meet? How did, how did the band first come into being? What was the, the kind of story of how, how you three met and decided to even form a band and start making music together? Um, me and James met at school. So we've known each other for about well, probably over 10 years now. Um, <clears throat> we started playing together, formed a bit of a band. That was kind of the earliest iteration of what this band is. It's not the same at all, but I guess yeah. that was when we first started making music together. Then the year later, met Ben at college. Then the year after that, met Isaac at college. And then the year after that, Sam joined. So we kind of added a member per year okay three or four years and then yeah we are what we are now i guess yeah brilliant um how did you you know did you always know that you wanted to kind of add keep adding to it and like or have you always just sort of you know started off as you know a, a like a, a three-piece and then developed your and, and built your sound up over time or did you always have this idea that you wanted to be a slightly bigger band than you were when you first started out i, I don't know actually i think I guess when you write as a three-piece, you're sort of limited to an extent when you're a guitar band anyway. And then I think me and Ben, we were recording a single, this is a long time ago now, and we were recording a single and went to go buy a micro cog from a second-hand shop in Leeds. And then that was like a big part of the song. It was like a, an arpeggiator all the way through the song. And then we quickly realised that we couldn't do it with four people on a stage, so yeah. hence Sammy. And also, major credit to Sam, he is our band mum and 
basically our manager and he, he has the whip and we bow before him really. He's, he's chief tree boy. <laughs> I mean, how did, you know, when you, you said this album has been, uh, a, you know, a fair amount of time in the making. Um, can you talk us a little bit through th- why that is, you know, what the process has been of like kind of refining what you do, working out which songs are going to finally make it onto the album? What, why, you know, what has been the reason for it kind of, you know, kind of going through these various iterations and stages? Can you talk us a little bit through what's happened from like when you first started to how you've wound up here and, and how you arrived at this, this selection of songs? Because presumably you had a fair amount you could have chosen from, from what you've written over that period of time. How did you kind of go through and whittle it down and, and refine what you've been doing over that, that period? Lockdown was a key player in that really, because, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like we got to a point where we thought we had a finished piece um, and then lockdown hit and we had a lot of time to kind of sit with what we thought was finished and then kind of thought actually we could have done this better or certain bits we rushed to try and like have an album when really we probably weren't ready to have an album then. And then we kind of, because we had all that time together over lockdown to just do nothing but, you know, be around each other and write music and hang out. We kind of started writing new stuff, different stuff. And then we kind of reflected on what we had done and thought, we could probably do this a bit better, scrap that, bring this in, and then start again, really. And then when we when we did start actually recording this version of the album, we had to stop like five times because one of us kept on getting COVID. So right. the process was just constantly being pushed further and further and further. But, I think um, everybody, including like uh, Matt, who recorded the record, got COVID while we were recording our record. But like not just at once, it was like... Every other week, someone got COVID, and we had to sort of start and then rebook off days of work, and then unbook off days of work. Someone's got COVID. It was chaos for a bit, but yeah, I'm I'm always curious to to um, sort of hear about the experiences of bands who were either in the process of or about to release their debut album that had to endure COVID. You know, I don't want to focus on COVID too much because it's been done to death. You know, we've talked, everyone's been talking about it nonstop for a few years now. But like, what did it do for you as how? You know, how disruptive an influence was that for a, a band in the process of making like a debut album and, you know, trying to presumably find a bit of a, uh, a a community on the live side of things. Obviously, that was completely, you know, shot down um, for for a good chunk of time. Was there ever a point where it was a bit like, how do we how do we even get back to doing this and like releasing an album? Did it did it kind of throw that much of a spanner into the works for you or were you always kind of you know, aware of the fact that, you know, this is going to pass and we'll just pick up where we left off afterwards and it'll just take as long as it takes to get this debut out there? Or did it kind of threaten the band at any point? Definitely not threatening the band. I think if COVID didn't happen, we would have released um, the first copy of our record that we recorded. And that was like a live copy of the record. Yeah. Like basically, A side is one take, B side is the other take. Um. So, yeah, and that was sort of like right in the back of, at the time, we'd just done a Speedy Wonderground single, so, like, it was, we were a new band, a new trendy band. So um, that helped. But then COVID did happen, and then I think we had time to just sort of realise, like, why would we release a live record for our first album? Why why would we do that? Why wouldn't we want it to be a really nice recorded thing? I think that was maybe the catalyst to be like, right, let's make it. Not a re- live record. Let's let's maybe yeah. read out to play it live. That was like the biggest. Um, I don't know problem 
because we saw it as like a capture the live experience sort of thing. Yeah. And at a time, releasing it at a time where you can't play live at all, like James said, made absolutely no sense. So it was kind of take stock and like refocus a little bit and they realized we were kind of focusing on the wrong thing maybe. Yeah. So it was quite disruptive, but it was also very, very useful because it gave us chance to think, actually, are we doing the right thing here? Or do we need to kind of spread ourselves a little bit further around into recording and being a bit more, I don't know, well thought out rather than just throw ourselves at live shows and being alive. Yeah. How much of a, um, you know, live scene is there where you were sort of living and well, continue to, to be living, you know, in Leeds, um, it, not necessarily connected to what we were talking about with COVID, but does it feel like there's a vibrant scene of artists sort of coming through where you are? What can you tell us about that, that community and the, the live circuit in and around where you, where you all live? There's loads really. Um, Leeds has always been, really popping off music wise and we've been lucky to be a part of that scene i think when covid hit momentum obviously slowed down for everyone but kind of it was good when things did start moving again that everyone kind of came back together and gigs started popping up loads and everyone and new bands were forming and you know there's been there's always loads and loads of new really great bands coming out of leads and it's great to see them kind of branching out further and doing really well yeah but it's, it's very vibrant yeah, it feels like there's a whole new stock of bands that didn't exist a few years ago. Like, it's, there's a whole new wave of it again. Like, we were part of that when we were, like, 18 years old sort of thing. And it's happened again. There's a whole another wave of really great bands, like Pop Vulture, Felt. Those, those guys are doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Green Garden. Jelly Skate. Loads. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. It's good to hear. And, you know, I think that after, you know, the, the, the independent venues and grassroots sector has, has always had its challenges, but I feel like after, obviously after COVID, it had been absolutely battered. So it's really nice to hear that there's still lots of exciting stuff going on um, in and around those kind of venues. Um, and I, yeah, I wonder if there's almost a bit of a renewed kind of vigor on that front. Do you know what I mean? For new bands after something like COVID, you know, I can only imagine it you must just be desperate to get out and play after having that kind of ripped away from you. Um, so I imagine that's, you know, hopefully been the catalyst for a, a bit of an explosion of new artists that are just desperate to get out and play again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think even when, um, what they call social distance gigs, mm. like every time there was one of them, they were like, they were rammed. Obviously you can only get 40 people in the room anyway yeah. or whatever, but that was definitely the sign of like people are just itching for it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's loads of hubs, cultural hubs in Leeds for for bands and artists to all hang out. Like Hyde Park Book Club's just like it. It's sort of on the main road going into town, near where all the students live and everything. It's just like a a cultural hub for artists. It's really good for Leeds. Is Hyde Park Book Club? Yeah, fantastic. Um, I mean, moving back onto the record. Um, I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about the actual kind of nuts and bolts of the recording of it. I know you worked with Matt Peel um, at the Nave studio. Um, can you talk to us a bit about the influence that he had on uh, the, you know, the, the way that the record <coughs> came together? Um, and just a little bit about how you literally went about piecing this album together. What was the process of you know, getting these songs finalised and sort of whipped into shape? 
he was really great for kind of getting us to look at what we'd already done and and see it in a different light because it's really easy to once you've finished a song think right that's done finished forget about that it's done and then he would be like oh well you could do it in this way try this part play this but like this and you're like oh yeah and uh, it was really helpful to kind of get someone external's input to kind of put those finishing touches on on the tunes which was which was really good because he's got such good vision for that kind of kind of thing and it was helpful to have that and kind of rethink what you thought was finished yeah um yeah i found that particularly helpful cool. had you worked together before no that was the first time working with him which was yes it was really good the studio itself is amazing as well so we had a really good time in there in in between covid interruptions but um yeah, and there's a really great space, and uh, Alex Greaves as well, who engineered a lot of the album. He was also really good to have around. Yeah. Had you worked with a producer before, like any EPs or anything like that, or do you always like self-produced? We worked with a guy called Chris Mulligan, um, who's like an engineer producer based in Leeds. Um, so he did our EP, and he'd done some singles that we've done before, but they might not be on the internet anymore. Not too sure. Uh, he's really good. He does a lot of stuff with um, smaller bands and leads as well. He's uh, he's in WH Lung, that band. Oh, okay. uh, who are great. Um, yeah. yeah, he's a really nice dude. Oh, brilliant. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm always curious to, to sort of see how um, to see how bands work with producers and, and what they expect from producers. Because I feel like for so many different artists, particularly today, the term producer can mean like a million and one different things. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's always interesting to see how people kind of bounce off of the producers that they're working with, and yeah, it sounds like he was there to kind of yeah help you. I don't know, just have a fresh pair of yeah. eyes and ears on on what was taking yeah, place. Yeah, he, he definitely given us more direction as a band than anyone else had previously, and we found that really helpful. I think because it's quite easy to to get stuck in your ways, and if you know if someone's there telling you it's great and recording it, or whatever, that's that's one thing. But when someone's like, actually, no, that could be a lot better than it is. It's really good to have that kind of input. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, he had a really strong idea of what he wanted it to sound like before we went in, which was a massive help. Um, like Isaac said, it, it is good to have someone say, "Yeah, this sounds great. Let's record it." But it's also really good to have someone say, "You know, the pieces are there, but it could come together in a different way. It could convey a slightly different feeling if we just pushed something specific in this direction, or yeah. you play the drums like a caveman on this." this bit or whatever like really just get nitpicky about certain things and it changes the whole dynamic really it just added to a lot of a darker sound which he wanted to implement from the outset really yeah nice i mean did you did you have any ideas you know sonically for what you wanted the album to sound like were there any uh i don't know whether you know producers bands records that had created certain sounds that you were kind of influenced by in any way not necessarily on like a musical or songwriting level but in terms of like creating a a feel and an atmosphere on the record i wonder how much of that you kind of brought into the studio how much of that was you know uh facilitated by matt or uh, developed by matt you know what what was the situation there uh, we definitely had like an influence playlist of what we wanted it to sound like so with a lot of like I think there's a lot of like tram songs on there a lot of fuse songs on there Mm. Um, so yeah a bit of that I think a lot of our songs are just more or less just massive crescendos with like a big ending yeah so like sort of because there's a lot of that how are you gonna make them all have an impact so 
different ways to have an explosion at the end, basically, maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean, has, has, the way that, has the way that you've written music kind of always been largely kind of like based around a, a similar format or a formula rather, or have you kind of over the years sort of like changed the way that you do things? I wonder if you can talk us a little bit through what the, the sort of cr- creative process is like for, for Tree Boy and Dark. Usually starts with very repetitive jamming around certain ideas. And it's usually kind of all of us in a room, someone will play something and then we'll also start playing along and we'll be like, oh, okay, that okay. Bit was good. Let's do something else and then piece things together. So it's often just all of us in a room, someone will start with an idea. And then with most of this album, right. And kind of all the vocals and lyrics have kind of come afterwards um, and kind of been fitted into to songs rather than the other way around. Um, but as of recently, we've kind of been taking a slightly different approach, but for the album, I'd say it was, it was mostly that way. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. All, in a, all in a live room was sort of how we write. I think at the minute we're writing more music and it's a little bit less um, sort of amps blaring and just sort of playing together, but it's a little bit more thought out. But yeah. I think that's sort of this record. It's a lot of it is from our youth and a lot from, from a long time ago. So it is just a bit chaotic in some parts. Yeah. Does it feel like when you've been working on an album for, for that length of time and particularly being, you know, a, a debut album, you know, there's, you know, there's all the cliches about, you know, you've had your whole life to kind of write a, your, your debut record up to that point. Do you feel a sense of almost catharsis, you know, after having kind of drawn a line under it, put it out in the world and feeling like, okay, we're starting not necessarily from scratch, but you know, it's a, it's a bit of a clean slate from that point onwards, especially in during COVID and all of the stuff like that, that's kind of, you know, disrupted things. Do you feel a sense of, yeah, I guess, I guess catharsis is the word at, at being able to sort of draw a line and, consider what comes next or is, does it just feel like a, a, a kind of ongoing process well this album has felt a lot like an ongoing process obviously because it's taken so long um and it's nice now to be able to start writing music with all of these songs just putting their place where they're supposed to be yeah because obviously the, most of the writing we've done prior to this album has been those songs getting reworked 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 over three or four years it's nice now to go into something completely fresh where we build a song from scratch mm. rather than take stock of what we've got and rearrange it all. It definitely is very, very refreshing to kind of mm. have that experience. Yeah. Excellent. And what's the, the kind of rest of the, the summer and I suppose the rest of the year actually looking like for you on the, the sort of touring front, do you have any sort of uh, tours, festival uh, shows lined up at the moment? So we're doing Blue Dot at the end of the month, which will be really good. Looking forward to that. And then uh, touring-wise for the album, most of it's going to be in October. So we're doing, um, I think, like 10, 12 UK dates in October, which will yeah. be fun. Um, and that's the bad extent of touring for this year. I think we're doing a few little day festivals as well. Doing, this must be the place in Leeds. Um, and Preston. Preston, yeah. There's a few bits here and there in November that we're sort of finalising now. And we're playing at Jumbo Records tomorrow. Yeah, that'd be good. Fantastic. Which is going to be cramped, which is going to be fun. Amazing. And uh, before we finish up, I do have to ask, while I was reading your your biography uh, ahead of the interview, I couldn't help but notice the mention of um, kind of a collective obsession with Bob Mortimer. Uh, which is um, something that I I also share. So I was curious to know um, 
what is it you love about Bob Mortimer and how did uh, how did you all come uh, come to be uh, to be uh, <laughs> fanatical about about the great man? He's a national treasure. He's just he's the full package, man. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with the guy. Um, yeah. I guess gone fishing with him and Paul Paul Whitehouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like it's it's like therapy, really, isn't it? It's, you watch that, and it's nothing else matters for half an hour. It's perfect. So mm. I think maybe that's why. Also, Atletico Mints that podcast yeah. football one. Oh, I think man. we've all gone through like yeah. And um, yeah. there's a, a sketch in Atletico Mints where I think it's not Bob Mottman that does it, I think it's Andy that does it. But he's talking about um, Roy Hodgson, who manages Crystal Palace, uh, having an obsession with Warhammer. <laughs> and it's quite funny. And then yeah. we've sort of adopted that. So now every time we play a gig anywhere, we'll be like, right, okay, Google Maps <laughs> the venue, load out. Google Maps the Warhammer, get a picture, then put the set times <laughs> on that picture. Basically, it's uh, amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, the guy's a legend. Let's be honest. Yeah, we've done a lot of Warhammers now, haven't we? I think we're getting <laughs> into the twenties. I reckon. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel like somehow <laughs> someone needs to get um, someone needs to get word to Bob Mortimer about this just to let him know <laughs> what he's created. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Athletic right, Mints thing is brilliant. Um, yeah, the amount of times I've been like on a train home from somewhere, just absolutely crying, laughing to myself, like on my own, just trying to contain it. It's just, um, on a bus, just like laughing out loud. It's it's dangerous. You look like a crazy human. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is brilliant. Yeah. No, I had to ask a question about Bob Mortimer because yeah, any opportunity to, um, to sort of shoehorn him into a a podcast or an interview (laughs) is one that I've got to take. Um, brilliant. Well, um, well, thank you so much for, for joining us today and congratulations once again on the release of the record. Um, been really enjoying listening to it as well in the lead up to this. It's fantastic. So, um, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Um, wish, wish you all the best with it and, uh, hopefully, um, catch you at some point, um, at one of the shows over the coming months. Yeah. Sounds good. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Enjoy the weekend. Cheers, mate. Thank See you. Later. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.